This week on EXM, the 2015 edition of the Electronic Entertainment Expo has arrived, so buckle up as we do a deep dive into the first half of all the big gaming announcements from Oculus, Bethesda, and Microsoft. The live streaming giant Twitch.tv has a formidable new competitor in YouTube gaming, which got announced last week. Bo is actually playing a non-Blizzard game, Crofton still can't get enough Witcher, and John Marston pays a visit to our Master Game Theater. All that and more coming up in 30 seconds on EXM. The podcast that puts the three E's in E3. Excellent enunciation and execution. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Welcome everybody to the E3 podcast, the podcast that is excellent in its enunciation and execution. I am talking, of course, about the exclamation mark podcast. Here we are, episode number nine, and it correlates with a huge event in the industry of video games. And I am talking, of course, of about E3. Um, this will be our first of what I'm sure will be a couple of episodes where we discuss E3. My name is Crofton Steers. I am your hostess with the mostess. Uh, and with me is my compadre. And I can't think of anything that rhymes with the word compadre. Bo Schwartz. Uh, Salame. <laughs> Padme that's not, that's from Star Wars. Uh, hello, Crofton. Hello, exclamation mark podcast listeners. I am super thrilled to be the other hostess with <laughs> the mostess. Um, we're gender neutral here, so you know we can call ourselves hostesses and not feel bad about it. Um, I'm very confident in myself, Bo. I'm very confident in my womanhood as well. And um, so, yeah, hello, glad to be here. Kind of stoked for uh, a lot of the gaming announcements that have come out in the past couple of days. So, can't yeah, wait we'll to talk, talk about it. We'll talk about that in a sec. Just a little housekeeping first, I guess. We are recording this show on Monday. The Microsoft press conference has just ended, and um, we know there's going to be a Sony press conference later today. This show will not touch on any of that we've heard rumors of something sony may be showing but we will not be talking about it until the next episode of exm um there's already a lot to talk about both in bethesda's first e3 uh, conference and microsoft's and um there were some pre-announcements the uh, oculus and the vr folks have been making and we're always interested in those uh, and there's a couple of other things we we want to talk about uh, in the news today so it's going to be a fully fully loaded episode i think bo also we we're going to talk about the games that we are playing which we always like to do yes and we actually have some new stuff at least i do i think you do too but i definitely have some new stuff to talk about so if you've been with us for the previous what is it nine episodes and hear um, Bo just talk about Heroes of the Storm? Yeah, I will not be... There will be no mention of Blizzard games today. This will be the la- only time. Actually, I'll probably bring it up, but I'll try not to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't even make it through that sentence. Um, okay, uh, so I guess without further ado, let's just rock right on to the first part uh, segment, the news. It's going to take up a lot of time today. It's called readme.txt. 
Geek.txt. All right. Uh, here we are in the news. And it's too bad it's a slow news week. There's nothing much happening. I am just kidding. It's E3, everybody. Um, so, Bo. Yes. Uh, let's, let's break this up. Let's break right. this up because um, – there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Uh, let's do it chronologically. We'll start with before. So before E3, the show floor hasn't opened yet, but um, but they've already they've already started the press conferences. But one of the first pre sort of E3 announcements had to do with the VR the VR stuff. So uh, what what do you got? What do you got for me? Yeah, E3, otherwise known as, do I really have to announce my stuff with everyone else during E3? Can't I do it? sometime after to get more attention conference sorry oculus of course making their announcement outside of the scheduled e3 stuff um i was actually really stoked by what i saw and i didn't actually um tune in live for it i missed it it kind of snuck up on me i caught everything after there is a ton of great news to come out of the oculus camp one the the first thing is microsoft is in bed with oculus as like just an overarching thing so what does that mean? Well, the Xbox One is going to be able to stream games right to the device. There's going to be compatibility there. I assume, there, you know, any old noob is going to be able to hook up these two devices and have them work seamlessly, which is a big a big advantage for VR because I have the development kit too. Every program I have to run requires the fiddling of knobs and levers and, you know, files having the right dll it's, it's yeah but you're you're in the early developmental stage nobody expected it to stay like I that know, but you never know with a new piece of hardware it's one thing to say oh there's a new piece of hardware for pc users that still might mean there are headaches if it's on an if it's on a console that means it needs to work there's a standard to how consoles uh, hardware for consoles function you need to be able to plug it in and have it work that's the standard your connect you don't you know the, the little you do with the connect which is calibrating it is all you have to do um, so this is big news, uh, and hopefully they're able to meet that. Um, so do you, do you think that you'd be closer to buying a VR device now that uh, it's going to be plug and play on an Xbox One? Well, I, I don't have an Xbox One, so the bigger question is, would this get me to buy an Xbox One? Now, we're jumping ahead. Microsoft has already an, also announced a deal with Valve and their VR headsets, so they're a little promiscuous when it comes to these VR headsets, uh, but they're clearly signing on to VR being the future. I am already kind of sold, having tried your developmental Oculus uh, on VR, so, I mean, this does not – it doesn't make me more interested – but the fact that it seems to be controller friendly and and it's going to ship with the wireless Xbox One controller, um, that that makes me interested. I'm 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 keen on that because I just feel like um, you know I the the one time I tried it at your place with the mouse and keyboard. I found that that it's difficult. You can't like I know where the keyboard is for the most part, but I'm not looking at the keys. The mouse is one thing, but it it is kind of difficult navigating 3D space in that way when you're wearing something on your face. So I think the controller will just make that much easier. Right. So and did you so did you mention the piece of news that the uh, the controller will ship with the yeah. Okay. You, sorry, I just I spaced out for a second. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think, but it's it's so it's so awesome that there is a lot of cross branded content coming with the Oculus. I think the Xbox One is a brand like 
Microsoft and Xbox are brands that parents, the people that aren't savvy about these things, trust. And so to have that name along with a new and experimental product um, like Oculus is will bodes very well for Oculus in the big commercial market. I'm so super I, stoked about that. I saw there's these games. Uh, I watched this video for this game, Lucky Tale. It's Lucky's Tale. It's been announced for a while for Oculus. Yeah. But it it is interesting how that like and and seeing the controllers and and how it works. It is interesting having like third. Part, uh, third uh, person platformers or th- uh, games where you see your character on screen like any game Assassin's Creed whatever um, the I those have long been sort of people thought, oh, you wouldn't use Oculus for that. You use it only for first-person games. And while first-person is where the strengths lie, supposedly some of these third-person games look really neat. It's like you're like you're in the world looking at your character, and I mean, I think that I think there's some. Um, some neat stuff that can be done that way. So I'm excited. Uh, all the direction that they've given so far with regards to gaming on the Oculus Rift is looking promising. Yeah, I think I think we're in for some real treats. Um, some real treats in terms of gaming experiences now that it's going to be supported by consoles. that That's a rich environment for developers um, who might not, you know, who might not want to engage in a kind of business where they're out on the PC market, which means their games might not get as much attention as, say, you know, the Xbox um, Econosphere, you know, the the UI where they're able to download games. So um, I think this is this is a really big announcement for Oculus. The, the thing that I find more a little more interesting to me in terms of future uh, thinking ahead is these controllers that simulate your hand movements in virtual space i know Uh, this is not i i know this is not necessarily going to be like day and date launch with oculus in terms of being ready uh but but again my my limited sampling of oculus and and vr space is like once it's hard to replicate this with a video showing someone a video of it it's really hard to sell it uh, but if you get the opportunity to try one of these things, I tell you, you will walk away a believer. Uh, but one, but then you'll start as you think about it more. You'll start nitpicking and of certain things, and uh, one of those things is definitely for me the um, the fact that like I want to look at my hands and I want my hands to be there, but they're not there, right? Because I mean, there's nothing detecting my hands per se, unless I get a power glove on each one. Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna be seen on screen. So, like these controllers, may be the next step to adding that touch element, which will be super awesome. I think personally, from using the DK2, I feel like it's missing having my hands not visible. It really feels like they need to be there in a way that I've never. I, like you know, you you play a game like I don't know, Call of Duty. You're not like man. I really wish I could feel my hands in this game. But when it's when it's everything you see. Um, you do sort of feel like you're armless in this weird way. So, yeah, those controllers look sweet. I hope, I hope um, they don't have to delay them too long. I think, I think I'm ready for a new way to game in terms of peripherals, and those hand things seem like it. If the VR thing takes off, then the controllers as we know it are these dual stick, one in each hand. Uh, you know, look like a crazy person to people who are not watching you, who are watching you play controllers. <laughs> 
And this is the marketing challenge for Oculus. And we'll, we'll talk about this a little further when we get to HoloLens later. But, um, but and it was the same problem that Nintendo 3DS um, encountered, the idea of selling this product or marketing this product to someone who cannot see it in action. Like you cannot... You cannot replicate what it's like wearing an Oculus Rift or any sort of VR headset without doing it yourself. You can't watch a video of somebody doing it. You can't, you know, there's nothing that's going to give you that sense except trying it. So it is a, it's a marketing challenge that they're going to need to overcome. Yeah. Um, the, the next big thing too is that they've made it, apparently it's going to be more, it's going to be lighter weight and easier to wear because right now the current headset is does feel like you've got a pretty big heavy weight so i'm interested in seeing what it actually feels like with the retail version like hopefully that's as lightweight and as unobtrusive as possible um yeah no for sure that i could see i could see that we don't want to you know you're doing something silly in your room and and then you know let's say i'm I'm hanging out my apartment and then you come in you're like what are you doing bro and i'm like oh toss on the spare headset and see what i'm seeing that needs to be easy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, uh, we're going to talk more VR in a sec because sure. it's going to come up in Microsoft, but let's move on to the pressers here in E3. Um, so number one out the gate was Bethesda, which was their first ever conference. Uh, just like the, the Cole's notes of it were they, they showed more Fallout 4, which they had announced prior to the show. We talked a little bit about that announcement last week. Uh, they showed some Doom 4 and they announced Dishonored 2, uh, as well as some like iPhone type games to support those products. So this was like, for a studio that takes its sweet ass time making really big games, this was a lot to show and that's why they decided to do a presser this year and it actually to me made made sense um once i saw what was uh, in store but of those three games which one uh, interests you the most okay we have to come back to their um blizzard envy at some point we'll make sure to talk about that but to answer your question um doom 4 by far doom 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 doom, doom. doom. oh my okay. god all right, tell us why. Well, Doom needs no introduction. Doom is a classic game. I, unlike many people, loved the third one as much as I loved the first and second one. There is something about the Doom aesthetic and the Doom, the, the tropes and the mission statement or the overarching theme of what Doom is that really hits me at the core. I love shooting stuff. I love. I don't need realistic military shooters. I need stuff that blows up with blood and guts. And it's like the people developing the game said, what are the core things that identify a Doom game and how can we make them as awesome as we possibly can and put it in the game? The trailer featured no story. It was all just, I don't know if that counts as a trailer, but what they revealed anyways, which is the first, was no story, no sentimental stuff. It was all just, uh, here's a gun. Here's what it looks like when it's used to dismember and maim things. And, um... And it wasn't a survival horror. It was horrific, and there's a sense of survival, but it looked like what I, the most of what I'll be doing in there is shooting endless waves of monsters from hell. Uh, and, very excited. And I think you like Doom 3, but I think arguably, you know, people collectively found that to be, I don't want to say a misstep, but like a, a little step 
in the wrong direction for Doom in the sense that it was it it, it was like it had a story and it was it, it sounds weird saying that these are bad things, but it had it had a story and it had like um the a survival, you know, flashlight it, mechanism with yeah, batteries. survival horror yeah. elements. When when really like these were all things that were du jour at that time, like hot shit. But uh, but Doom, and and this is why like I, I don't want to play devil's advocate here. It looks kind of fun, but Doom originally appealed to me because there really was nothing else like it at the time. It was not the first first person shooter. But one of the the first like VGA fancied up uh, first person shooters. I played a lot of Doom, and I have a lot of nostalgia associated to Doom. But if E3 is about looking forward, and you've got all these new games and all this new hotness, I, I look at Doom Four and I think to myself, man, you know, this is like this is just old old stuff. Like it's new skin on an on an old body like uh i mean doom was never really didn't really push first person shooters that far i always felt after the half-life introduced narrative and all that sort of stuff that doom was kind of well, well, kind of left behind doom was a big was pushed things forward but not like what came before doom was wolfenstein which was just a 2d plane this 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 pushed games forward in the sense that you had stairs and you had Right, you know the full spectrum of, you know there were innovations, but they were not on story. They were on, um, you know, bit sprite graphics maybe, and the idea that um, you know expanding the idea of the three D universe that we play today. But yes, Half Life had more weapons. Yeah, Half Life took the, it's like Half Life took that and said, well, let's have a whole narrative experience that's strange and bizarre and wonderful. So, like, they're both really good games. So, I see what you're saying that, like, Doom 4 is just like, well, here's better, here's what Doom looks like on current day. But we're not we're not innovating in any way. And um, I don't know. I, I think people that like Doom are just like, actually, don't innovate with it. Innovate with something else. <laughs> like, keep Doom, Doom. Yeah, and, I, and, uh, and I'm know. sure there's a ton of people like that. And going back to the uh, the other two games, I, I find that they, they have quite the, the interesting sort of overlay here because you have Fallout 4, which is uh, one of the – what I call the a Bethesda game, which is essentially – they alternate now between these post-apocalyptic uh, 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 sci-fi fallouts and the fantasy Elder Scrolls games, but they're essentially the same game in that they're these giant worlds in which you explore um, and 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 have these adventures, and they generally last you for you know hundreds of hours or what have you. Then you got Doom Four, which is um, a, you know a traditional shooter like. Uh, story light, uh, action heavy, all that sort of thing. Then you have Dishonored 2, which is follows in the vein of like, I guess the original Bioshock and, and Dishonored, which is more of that, that like half-life um, story-based uh, shooter, but also mixed in there with Thief uh, as well, where you have a lot of choice on ways that you can approach the problems. I was, I was a huge fan of Dishonored Adventure 1. Adventure game. It's really their like, their tomb raider or uh, you know their version of like that right like well dishonored has about the same scope as the deus ex games do so like there's like hub yeah. areas there's uh there's you get different they're very similar to deus ex in a way in those so like not a giant open world but yet you do totally feel like you're transported to this other other place and arcane studios who made the first dishonored i wasn't 100 percent sure if there would be a second one i wasn't sure about the sales numbers behind dishonored 
And so I'm really glad to see that there is a second one because I really enjoyed the first one a lot. Um, of those three games, though, the one that interests me the most is Fallout 4, just because I am very much a fan of those big open worlds. And Fallout excites me uh, quite a bit. It's exciting that it's coming out this year. Uh, I'm, I mentioned, I think, in the last show how sick I am of the whole E3 cycle where they announce a game and then you get it three years later. And then so over different E3s, you see different things. And then finally, here's the game. I think they're starting to learn, but it was really cool to see Fallout 4 is coming later this year. And uh, I really like the video that they showed for Fallout 4. There's some new stuff in there. You can make your own base. You can do sort of like... A, you know, the base building looked spectacular. I, it looks pretty cool. I gotta say, um, I love my Elder Scrolls game, and I was not looking forward to Fallout 4. I'm still kind of meh, but if something converts me or pushes me to try it, it's actually that base building, that That's sense of, of of having something to build in, in that world that matters, um, kind of interests me. Because I'll tell you, the most interesting announcement to me of the entire thing was Fallout, uh, the Fallout Shelter game. Really? Yeah. That's so. They, to they me. said a few keywords. They said, you know, we were inspired by games like XCOM and FTL, and I was like, oh, what happens when you get inspired by those? Those are both games that are like super high on my, you know, yeah. cred list. And I looked at it, and it looked cute, but like in that pervasive kind of cute way that I know that they're going for. Uh, it you know, and it, that's it got released. I actually just forgot that I should go. I wonder if it's on Steam. I'm just checking real quick. No, but it's on the Apple Store. I don't want to play it on mobile. I'd prefer a PC version. But that looked really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what did you think of that? I, I, th I, I thought it looked good, but it looked like, to me, it was just another way of maintaining enthusiasm for the bigger... It's like an appetizer before your big meal or I'm whatever. Sure. Yeah, it's like but, uh, uh, a hype... hype. I, I might... I might download it like at one point or another. I might check check it out, but I'm I'm uh, I I'll, I don't want to show my hand too early because when we get into talking about what we're playing now, you're going to see it's going to affect how I perceive all of this. But I don't want to mention it yet because uh, really, all of these announcements are exciting to me in their own sort of in their own way. Yeah. And Fallout uh, is the one that's the most exciting. One, uh, one that it, no one that was like pretty lame, if you ask me. Um, was the Fallout Legends, which is a trading card game based on like a, a Elder Scrolls Beth Legends, Bethesda Stone. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, come you say on, that, but guys. you love those trading card games. You're just a Blizzard fanboy. That's the problem. You know the thing about a lot of this stuff, and I think hardcore Magic people would look down on Hearthstone, is that you become invested in a certain product or brand, yeah. and that defines it for you. And so when you see other things. It's sometimes you meet it with disdain, like, oh, great. However, it's Blizzard has a rich pantheon of characters. I don't, I guess Elder Scrolls does too. I just don't think of them in the same way. I don't know. I don't, I don't know any I, of the Blizzard characters, and I know a lot more Elder Scrolls stuff. So, like, when all those cards in Hearthstone, they mean nothing to me. And when you explain stuff, you're like, oh, it's this character from whatever 
But but like it, it's you know, and I've played enough Blizzard games, but it's not like Heroes where it's like Diablo and Starcraft. It's only Warcraft uh, stuff. And I played Warcraft three and such. But like if you didn't play World of Warcraft, then you are lost in that shit. Uh, whereas whereas the uh, Elder Scrolls, like I don't know what it'll be, but like maybe maybe the characters will be kind of like unit names. I've been playing a lot of Gwent in the Witcher three, which well, is a card. There's another card, card game that's really, it's like, it's, it's, it's this me too kind of attitude I found. And I think it came on the tails also of Bethesda net. You know, I was just railing about how I was sick of having all these apps and launchers. Uh, you know, we we're talking about good old games galaxy. Well, guess what? Now Bethesda has one. Oh, Fucking I didn't great. see that. In yeah, it was in there, but basically to get all your games now, you on your PC, you have to have Bethesda.net, uh, .net, just like you have Battle.net. Are and you sure it's not just an option? I hope I don't know. They didn't they didn't get into specifics, but my sense was that yeah. all the games including and to their credit, Bethesda does have a very big modding community. So, them officially curating this thing does actually seem like a good idea. Apart from that, I'm very much... Um, I'm just like, great, another thing to sit in my system tray. Man, F you guys. Seriously. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because uh, speaking of modding, like in the Xbox conference, the Microsoft one, they mentioned how the Xbox One version of Fallout uh, is going to be moddable. Um, where uh, That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting because... In this new age of like games costing a ridiculous amount of money to make, the era of the exclusive, if it's not owned, if you're a company that's not owned by a bigger company like Microsoft owning Rare and all that sort of thing, the odds of you making an exclusive game is less and less. You're going to try and hit everyone you can to make as much money as you can. So how are exclusives differentiating <laughs> themselves? And I think you're seeing stuff like the um, like this, like where they're like, okay – only exclusive on Xbox One, you will be able to mod your Fallout 4. So, I mean, it helps that Xbox is very much in tune with Windows 10 and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, But at the same time, like, for me, I don't see that being a big selling point for console gamers. Like, people who mod and enjoy mods play on PC. I mean, you're not going to be... I, you know, like if you get the console version of a game, it's not because you're into modding. It's, it's going to be a value add for kids. You know, if there's like a make everyone, uh, that wouldn't even appear on Xbox. But let's say if if I was ten and and you know I didn't use PC games, I just like the simplicity of the Xbox environment. And there was some mod that turned the, the, the dragons into Macho Man Randy Savage. You know, I download that and put that in. But that's I I feel like that's a a value add kind of thing, like getting a I don't know, you know, a free toy in a cereal box. Yeah. You know, like that it's it's more that for the console where it's like, oh, you can mod your game. But yeah, you're right. People that are into that kind of thing are probably into the PC environment to begin with. So all right, let's move right into Microsoft because I feel like we are we talking a lot about Bethesda. We're talking a lot about Oculus. There's so much to talk about. But uh, so Microsoft just finished their presser, um, and uh, it was pretty. It was honestly pretty good. I think people were fairly positive and excited uh, leaving the uh, 
leaving the auditorium and uh, they got good response to a lot of their stuff. They've been playing catch up for the past couple of years, uh, ever since they announced the Xbox one in sort of like a gamer unfriendly manner. I've always felt that's what happens when you're on top of the mountain, which they were with the Xbox 360 for the most part. They, they felt that they could, you know, sell you everything in the kitchen sink, make it a multimedia thing. Ever since then, they've done an exemplary job of walking it back and saying how much they're committed to gamers, hardcore gamers, all gamers and all that sort of thing. Um, if you were playing a drinking game, whenever they mentioned gamers, you'd probably be drunk halfway through. Uh, I definitely saw a lot of stuff that uh, that I liked. I don't have an Xbox One. Um, but but uh, number one is in ways that they're trying to get me to buy one is with Xbox 360 backwards compatibility. Uh, and uh, this is something, I don't know, Bo, you had, you had an Xbox 360. I'm not sure how much you played it. I played mine a lot, um, and I have a lot of games for it. So this backwards compatibility thing, that's something that appeals to me quite a bit. Does it appeal to you? Um, I think it's a good thing. I don't think it'll make me go out and buy one, because I have but, the Xbox but 360. It would, I don't need you, it backwards. If you were making, yeah, see, and that's one of the things that with the remasters that is is like we're we're getting 720p uh, um, games as it is. So the with our Xbox 360, they're already HD and all that. Really, it's a convenience factor of not having three systems plugged into the bo- uh, bottom of your TV. And I think it's even more useful when it comes to uh, arcade games where you download the games on Xbox Live, but. Um, uh, they, there's talk about them like upresing them to 1080p or doing something to make them look a little better. Uh, that's cool, but I really just like the fact that I have a giant library of Xbox 360 games, and I could retire my Xbox 360 and 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 just have the Xbox One wholesale replace it. This is something that used to happen, doesn't happen anymore. So I thought that was a big deal. I think it, I think it is a good thing if you have a big library. Um... I, yeah, why Why you could still keep your library, it's still relevant, it's still your collection of current games. I think right. I think backwards compatibility, make it should be, in, like, I think it should be present way more than it is anyways. Um, in terms of, like, there's always talk that, oh, we don't know if we're going to have backwards compatibility, where I'm like, if you're going to release a console, it should have backwards compatibility. Looking at you, Nintendo, none of your on- games ever work on subsequent systems. That's true. Um, on- on the other hand, though, Bo, like they've they've got this racket where they they every console generation they so, sell the old games as HD remakes or remasters or whatever. And like even in this conference, they announced Gears of War one to three um, uh, remastered coming out this summer. And I mean that's great and all, and I'd have to see what the remaster entails. But if I can now put Gears of War 1 to 3, which are sitting on my shelf right now, into my Xbox One and it will play them, maybe even upresing them to 1080, why would I buy the remastered? You know, so I understand them not having the backwards compatibility and so to sell you other games. But it, if they're going to do both, then they're going to put pressure on themselves to really deliver on the remastered. I, I thought maybe I heard, and I can't, I was like, am I hearing things? I don't know. I thought maybe I heard they were going to put co-op in the first. Oh, no, there was co-op in the first. Yeah, Gears. it was that one of the pr- first yeah. first okay. huge co-op games. Yeah. Let's let's move into Gears of War real quick here because uh, did you watch the video for Gears of War 4? I did, and it, it wasn't quite clear 
that it was Gears of War 4 that I was watching. I thought I was watching the some remastered stuff, but then I was like, what is this? I don't remember this from any of the games. So yeah. it was a little it was a little confusing when I was watching it. Um, but you know, it looked good. Um, but I wasn't I, having seen Doom Four. I wasn't as jazzed about the gear stuff. If I'm being honest, the the monster with a lot of tongues was really awesome. I really sort of liked that. But I was a little bit like, I think you got a thing for these creatures. Like you like Diablo and you like yes. you like Doom. Oh, yes. You yeah. like horrific sort of demon creatures. Yeah, like all that stuff is like expressed so beautifully in video games because yeah, you never you have a movie like with a goth that stuff or something. In it. Well, no, I, I, I just I believe in the ultimate evolution of species, and these things represent, you know, more advanced versions of ourselves. And we have fantasies about killing them because the truth is they're better than us. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so the thing it, with Gear Four, Gears Four, and it's funny because I definitely it still looked more appealing to me than Doom Four. No offense, Doom, but it's Gears is more recent than Doom, and the systems in place are more recent than than essentially just shooting yeah, dudes in the but, face but can you rip off a guy's leg and, and smash his head open with it? potentially you can do a lot of gross stuff in gears you i think they both saw some guy on the ground i think the chainsaw i could do is arguably better well uh, one thing i will say though is that i i loved gears of war one it was the game me that too. made me, me buy too. an xbox 360 me too. um i played tons of gears one tons of gears two gears three not as much. I played it once. I would play it again if I had four people sitting around. I think it's a good time. Then they had the Gears prequel. I never even played that game. And and yeah, I didn't uh, either, actually. And I look at this Gears and I think to myself, you know, I'm I'm kind of done with Gears. Like I mean, like I I would play it if I had an Xbox One maybe, but it definitely doesn't push me to 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 buy one. And and even when they brought up the menu and it's the exact same old menu, like. And Gears was so ahead of its time graphically. It still looks good today. And then this game, yeah, it looks better than the Gears trilogy, but not so much better and definitely not as good as some games that I've seen this generation already. So, I mean, it's no longer the graphical showpiece that Gears 1 was. So anyway, I, I'm i happy it's there. I like Gears, but uh, I like it. I've always liked Gears more than Halo, but I'm not... I can't put my finger on it too. There's something um, unexciting, unexciting, about, yeah, about gear. Another like, gears. Before I'm like, like great. Uh, Even though I'm like, I loved all of those games. I'm still just like, I'm. I don't know. Yeah. It's, they, I think what it is is that the, the story and the characters blow. I think the monster design's awesome. I think the mechanics are awesome, and but I, like I just the world design too. I like the concept of it, but uh, it's very like you know. Like, but it's an apocalyptic it's, game it's, where the creatures have come from the earth. Like, I, I don't know. That, I like, no, that stuff's okay. It's just, it's, but like, you're not invested in it in a big way. Like, it's these action star. You know, they're all just like, oh, get the fuck over here. Ah, you know, I, like, I actually, I actually missed that because this video was was two characters, a guy and a girl who looked much less roided up than any of the guys, <laughs> and, and and it feels like they're addressing that. They're like, oh, we're gonna make this gears more like regular people are less crazy roided up freaks hoping that the video was going to end with them like both dying and then a door open and then marcus phoenix just walks in and like turns on his thing and it's like <laughs> all right let's go you know and then and then you're like yay marcus phoenix who gives a shit about those two vanilla yeah. people also, but yeah, um, also disappointed i don't think there's going to be a marcus phoenix in four didn't they say he was his story was done 
Yeah, probably, but I bet he'll be in it somehow. Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, other... Okay, oh, so... I have other... Oh, which, what do you wanna, where do you want to go next? I'm going to Rare. Where do you want to go? Uh, okay, we can go Rare. I, I wanted to talk about Tomb Raider for a quick second. Okay, go Tomb Raider. Um, because we talked about... I own that game and haven't played it. I think I'm actually going to go play it. That... I, so I, I tuned in right during that Tomb Raider uh, bit of gameplay, and that yeah. looked incredible. I thought that sure. looked really awesome. Turn down the graphics when you play it because I know your computer is even shittier than mine. Yeah. And uh, you want performance over graphics because you can make it look real shiny on PC. But uh, but my mistake was was pushing the graphics and having a little bit of slowdown that I think took away my enjoyment for the game. I'm not excited for Tomb Raider. Uh, honestly, it's it. Uh, I didn't finish the Tomb Raider uh, Tomb Raider remake. It does like it, I love it, those big action set pieces. I do too, but like again, you have never played the Uncharted games, and no, I haven't. And all the Uncharted games are awesome, and the Tomb Raider remake tried to be more open world, and it was just like I don't know. The, the characters were less pre, uh, interesting. It's like yeah, if you like action set pieces. This is, you should play this game for sure. Um, but for me, again, like Gears Four, it it it's just it uh, it was not exciting. Like I'm like I'm not I'm not even gonna maybe I'll play. It's eventually gonna come out on PS4 or something. Maybe I play it then. But it, it again, it wasn't for me what I needed with to, to push me to the next level. And it was just her climbing again, which was um, a mechanic that we've seen in the previous game there wasn't anything new that i saw really so anyway i understand it looked cool i i get what you're saying um it was a good so, piece of marketing so i wanted to give my thumbs up to it yeah uh okay other other ones uh okay rare so rare um rareware it was a series of uh, a company that made a series of games that were particularly famous during the Nintendo 64 era, although it dates back to the Nintendo and beyond. And after the Nintendo 64, when launching the original Xbox, Microsoft bought the company. And since then, they've been relegated to doing sort of like shitty Kinect adventure games or sports games. Uh, and everybody's sort of being like, what the hell happened to Rare? And this felt like Rare's big coming out party saying like, hey, we're still here. We can still do awesome shit. Check it out. And it and it felt like like with Gears where they said, here's what you used to like, the, the old Gears, and here's the new Gears. It felt like they were doing the same thing where they said, here is a package of our greatest hits, 30 games for $30. Some of them like Xbox 360 games, like pretty good ones. Um, and, and then here is a new game. And I'm not sure if this new game, the Pirate uh, sea of the uh, themed sea of thieves is an, an MMO or what it is. Um, but it looks sweet. Like when I saw it, I was like, Oh, that looks pretty awesome. Like I would like to play that. I like pirate stuff. Uh, the graphics were super nice. The art direction was really cool. It was a new IP. Um, I don't know. I was enthused. I was enthused. It was possibly the highlight of the conference for me. It took oh, a little really? while to get wow. going. Oh, oh yeah. For like, I mean, like we've gone over stuff. Like, I didn't care about Tomb Raider. I don't really care about Gears. Uh, I thought the whole package was good for all their their stuff. But it's just for me, I don't still don't know what it's about. It's like, a, it's a pirate game. That you well, play I know that, friends. but I mean, you go adventuring I as get, pirates. Like, yeah. It's Take just, up treasure, Avasti mateys. All that all sounds great. It's Good. just I don't, you know, I I just don't I don't have a sense of whether or not it's going to be 
This is what fun. I. I don't. It wasn't communicated to me. Oh, know. it looks super fun right off. Like they showed all. I, this is what I think, Bo. I, I'm making a judgment call right here. You are like the traditional mature gamer who likes the gothic and grotesque monsters with the shooting or whatever. I, you know, like when you see a game that's sort of cartoony and all that, I think you're already sort of thinking, oh, you know, well, this game's got to prove itself to you. Whereas for, for me, yeah, for <laughs> me, I'm totally sold. That's a rare style, and I'm looking at it like Banjo Kazooie or something. I'm a fan of thinking, a lot of rare games. I've put a lot of hours into Perfect Dark. Let me tell you. But Perfect Dark is of all their games, the one that's the most like sort of a traditional mature game. Like yeah. it's in. Uh, Did they do Goldeneye as well? Yeah. Yeah. Like and that and but they also like though they're known for those but like they did Battletoads they did um uh, they did uh, Banjo Kazooie uh you know uh what what's that racing one on Super Nintendo Rad Racer I don't even remember anyway they've Wasn't done there a bunch Banjo Kazooie Racing or something along those lines oh possibly uh yeah. but uh, the the sixty four games so Conquerors Bad Fur Day that was them yeah. um. So anyway, I, I, I'm enthused with Sea of Thieves and also all the new IP that they showed. So they showed Cuphead, which is this um, sort of uh, all hand animated video game that looked like old Mickey Mouse cartoons. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Oh man, it looks Wait, this sick. was a, this was a rare game or just something? No, sorry, this is a new IP so announced. There are other new content. IPs. Okay. Yeah, there was Recore, which was announced, which was um the the girl in the desert with the sort of robot dog and all that sort of thing, and uh, it looked again to me really cool. I was uh, uh, I the potential is there, and just the fact that it's not something I've seen before uh, makes me excited to see where they go with it. So both Cuphead, Recore, Sea of Thieves, those were like highlights for me. Uh, Low lights was Microsoft announcing an early access version called Microsoft Game Preview. I was like, great, just what the world needs, more early access. That was my... Oh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. And, and But they did announce deals with Valve, Oculus, and then their new introed their new HoloLens. Um, HoloLens to show looks sweet. Well, I like I mentioned before to you the new 3DS, and I'm sure the old 3DS as well has like this enhanced VR thing where you can sort of you put these cards down and you can hold your thing around or whatever, and uh, it it will it will show you things on your screen that aren't really there, and it makes kind of like a game around you. Now this only works so well without holding a 3DS, but if you were if you had something on your head, it would be pretty sick. Like you'd be able to see some pretty awesome things. I think uh, um, I'm not sure if everybody's house can accommodate. Like I wonder if it's going to be one of these things like the Kinect or the Wii Mote, where like you need very you to... specific environmental conditions yeah. to make the thing function. It could be. But we, but it looks like Mike, Minecraft um, is going to be one of their major launch things, and we all know Microsoft owns Minecraft, and a tons of people play Minecraft. So the idea that they're able to play their worlds in their living room and like maybe move parts around and do stuff—I mean, that that even appeals this, to me. This is, is my non- impression of, of Microsoft and the Minecraft people. Hey, Lego worlds, fuck you! <laughs> Look, we've got yeah. we've got Hololens. <laughs> you'll, you'll never be. You'll never be Microsoft in Minecraft. I was like, oh, if I was ever, yeah, like I'm totally, I'd rather pay money to try HoloLens and play Minecraft, which I actually own, than even try bother with Lego Worlds having seen that. If I were, there are Minecraft enthusiasts out there 
who might have just crapped their pants when they saw that HoloLens thing. You, every, you... Everyone's parents are going to be like fielding uh, demands for HoloLens. I swear, that looked amazing to me. Now, I'm not sure if HoloLens is going to be uh, with Windows 10 as well. Yes, uh, um, I saw or... some... I saw some Windows 10 propaganda or advertising okay. for, you know, hey, get Windows 10 and it's compatible with HoloLens. So, cuz it would make it be ridiculous if the Xbox uh, one people had to play um uh, you know, if they were the only ones, Minecraft's a, a PC first and foremost game and if they're the only ones that get HoloLens, that no. would be great. See, you know? I think the big thing with HoloLens right now is they're trying to leverage it in the gamer market, but I see way more uses for ho- a device like HoloLens in professional environments more so than gaming. Like, I just don't know why you wouldn't wear an Oculus rather than use a HoloLens for most games. I'm not saying you couldn't game effectively. It's just Oculus is way more bonerific than the HoloLens. And um, I just, I can picture, like, you know, like, I want to walk down the street with a HoloLens on, and this isn't going to happen, but in the future, like, this is the direction I see something like HoloLens, where it provides me with information on everything I'm seeing. Have a look at this, uh, you know, there's a car, it gets scanned by my HoloLens, I get product information on it. Police might even use it to bring up driver's license information when they scan things. Like, to me, the HoloLens represents more that kind of day-to-day functionality in professional environments than than it ever will be for gaming, but... They might as well get money from it from the gaming environment. May, yeah, maybe. Uh, like it's Google Glass sounds a lot like what you're talking about. Um, the uh, the thing the thing is is that um, the Microsoft conference did straddled the line where they announced these old games, remakes, new games, and they and then new tech. And one of the new techs was the Hololens, and another one was this Xbox Elite controller. I'm not sure if you saw, but it's essentially. Uh, it, it creates what looks like a two-tier controller system on their system where where they've got people with the regular Xbox One controller and then now this Elite controller that has additional functionality, buttons, and all, all sorts of stuff. So uh, I'm not sure... Anyway, I'm 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 not sure what the thinking is behind that. It's obviously going to be a pretty pricey controller. Uh, maybe it's to go with the Oculus Rift. I don't know, but it 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 was an interesting. Move. Oh, I, I missed this Elite controller as well. I didn't catch the whole conference. I need to see it. Yeah, yeah, you should. Uh, by the way, I just I quickly googled the Cuphead trailer. That thing looks amazing. Oh yeah. my god, that what is that? That is so cool looking. Uh, and I mean, I think that that's that's. It's interesting where games are at that point now, like that we can do that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I, it makes me enthused for the future of games, and that's what E3 is supposed to be about. If, if listeners at home, if you ha- missed Cuphead, you should check out. Yeah, go, Just go Google take a it look. now. Watch the whole thing. If you like 2D cartoons, that thing looks like it, it'll give you an epileptic seizure, uh, basically. It looks so good. Oh, my. Um, and uh, Yeah, the Elite Controller looks pretty cool, too. I don't know. It's... You well, you you read up on the the specs on it. It's yeah. just really the fact that it creates a two tier system that I'm interested. Like, what's that mean for developers? You know, you when you're making a game for Xbox One, do you design your game? Do you have to think that you have added functionality with Xbox Elite? Do you ignore it? Do you you oh, know whatever? There's extra buttons there. Those yeah. are cool. Okay. No, but see, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. 
it's now yeah. problematic, right? Like you need to design for two controllers yeah. or or ignore or it. Or limit which is, your audience. Like, oh, this sorry, this is only for elite controllers. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they were going to have some problems with that. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how they handle it. Good to um, see experimentation, though. I feel like we've got we we really are are short on uh, short on time here. So I, I want to uh, I want to move ahead. It's our um, E3 special, so it's okay well, if the show is dominated by the E3. We it's got to, once a year. Well, well, twice a year we're going to do another one oh, on E3. <laughs> yeah, but so, I uh, imagine the rest of it won't. We won't have that much to talk about. What could what could those companies possibly do? But just outside of E3, because this is really worth mentioning, uh, happened just be- between recording. Uh, YouTube announced YouTube Gaming, which is their Twitch alternative. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, Bo, as the heavy streamer between uh, the two so of us? The, the first thing, my first thought was, oh, guys, why did you call it YouTube Gaming? Like, I get that they want, YouTube is the brand, and everyone knows YouTube, and YouTube is, is literally a word in the language to mean, hey, YouTube it, or go, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, You'd be dumb not to. But I don't want to. I don't want to be on YouTube gaming. Like I, I would have preferred them to have come up with their own brand, just like Twitch has, uh, to it identify make them. Marketing sense, though. I know it doesn't, but I don't like it. I, I hate their name. I hate that it's called YouTube gaming. Um, apart from that, doesn't really matter though. Apart They're... from that, there are. It, no, they don't give a shit about me. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be tons of people on there on YouTube gaming doing things, but I don't like it. And that it was says my initial reaction. It, <laughs> it says what it is right, right off. I guess what I'm, my question more is less what you think about the title and more what you think about a competing service. Um, so there's lots of – Twitch is a great service. Um, there are lots of things that I think need improvement, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree. Um and having competition just spurns that on. Right now, there is no competition for Twitch. There are other places to get streaming content, but there is nothing quite like Twitch. And that inclu- and this includes for people that are Twitch partners. So Twitch partners are people who, you know, are are they stream, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week, do this for a living. They get you know benefits, and I don't know, I don't mean health benefits, but they receive um, you know financial benefit from Twitch. So that Twitch has regular content. Now having YouTube in the mix means that there's also competition for how the twi- how the partners are treated. So this is very good for streamers. Um, you know, if if YouTube is offering something more to partners, that means you know hopefully the subs- the partners on Twitch receive more. Um, so I think there are a lot of people now who play games for a living for the enjoyment of others, and um, I don't know how much they make, but uh, I think some of them definitely could deserve to be making more. Uh, and so if there's anything that these companies can do to help support them, then, you know, the competition is really good for them. And uh, I think we have enough places to get content. So I've, I've, I'm, I'm not, I don't think it benefits us like, oh, another place to get video game content because YouTube already has that. Uh, so... Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. I think that makes sense. The only other thing I'd add is that... Uh, uh, seeing a heavyweight like YouTube um, do something like this sort of uh, validates w- what's going on with with Twitch and this whole uh, this whole movement. Like it, as soon as you've got the big boys playing in 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 the Sandlot, it it means that Twitch um, 
twitching and live streaming is here is probably here to stay about even our our little show that young is we we found out the age of some of the people in the chat in in our in our own twitch chat you know young people who are hanging out on they're not watching you know abc or whatever saturday cartoons like they're on twitch watching stuff on twitch like i feel like future generations are going to be consuming broadcast content that isn't even TV programs, that it's connecting with people and hanging out, just like we're doing here. So, um, Oh, God. No, and for all kinds of things. You know, there are artists who draw and broadcast their art and people who enjoy watching it. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful new world out there, and it makes sense for you to, to be on board with that. If they, you know, they're the place on the internet to get video. They should be doing it right, not wrong. <laughs> Hello there, Bo here. Uh, just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random using the random topic generator and debate whether it's Good, Bad, or Bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. Alrighty. Well, that was a long readme.txt. Uh, do we want to get right into the next section? or? Yeah, we might as well. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's do this. You're always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street smoking pot. This is Games Per Minutes. How do you feel about cutting his head off? All right, this is Games Per Minute, where we talk about the games we've been playing this week. And what a bad week for me to be playing something different, because I don't think we're going to have a lot of time to talk about it. Uh, But I'm actually playing a game that is not a Blizzard game, and that is Sleeping Dogs. I've been playing Sleeping Dogs. What is that? A, is that like a canine training simulator, like Nintendogs? <laughs> nope, it is a... Uh, I don't know what you call this style of game. It is a Grand Theft Auto-style game where you have a city. In this case, it's Hong Kong. You drive around the city, and you go on various missions, shoot people, do criminal things, have relationships, and, um, you know, be part of a criminal organization. But also... But in this case, you're also kind of a good guy. The line is very blurry. It This one in particular, so what's not, notable, first of all, is that there's barely any white people in it. So a lot of these games focus on North American culture and white people. So in this game, it's all they're all Chinese for the most part. And if they're not Chinese, they're, I think there's like one American and a few. I guess Hong Kong was settled by english people at some point so there are there are some british people in it but it's and there's a lot of english in in this but um you're definitely steeped in like a culture other than your own and that's sort of what makes this really awesome uh game to play i i played sleeping dogs and i really liked it actually and um i liked it both I like open world games. I like uh, exactly what Bo said, that sense of place. And it definitely 
it definitely had that. But there's also uh, an element of arcadiness that Sleeping Dogs has that other games don't. Like, um, I'm not sure. Action I, I, hijacking? Have you, you got there where you can I jump? I love action. I like oh. action hijack like eight cars in a row while the police yeah. are chasing me. It's so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's so... it. And the, and the combat system is like Arkham Light. So, so it's To it's clarify pretty... for people who don't haven't played Sleeping Dogs, this is where you hang out of your car and jump on top of another car, rip the person driving out of that car, and then hijack the car for yourself. It's in no other game that I've seen, and it's the best idea ever, even though it's, it's... not realistic. That's it. Like the whole the whole thing is inspired from like eighties action movies and stuff. And like I, I anyway, I like Sleeping Dogs. Uh, I, I like Sleeping Dogs a lot. Like it really was one of those immersive games. I had like I felt like I was going on on a trip almost. You know when I'd play it. Yeah, it really the the sense of place is really there when you're having a dialogue scene, and the background has that you know sort of. There's lots of this Asian urban city that's in the background that's really striking and very colorful um it's really fun I, I, and i hate open world games and there's even a part in this game where it's like oh there's a guy over there i have a mission i've got to drive to it god damn it i don't it's just i just want to start the mission i hate all the driving around but i find that the game is entertaining enough that i enjoy doing it specifically the combat the combat is what makes it fun. Now, in Grand Theft Auto games I've played, I have hated the combat. It always feels like, to me anyways, it doesn't feel very tight and very uh, mechanically sort of satisfying. Whereas I find this one has combat similar to like Batman with the Arkham Knight games, where it's like you have counters and you have like special moves you can do. Even though it's not super complex, the animations and flourishes are so satisfying. Um, I really the other like... the other thing is they the, have you got to the part where guns are introduced yet? Yes. So like guns aren't introduced immediately, and the whole idea with the story, and and this is probably true, is the restrictions on firearms around Hong Kong very are very tight. So unlike um, the the Grand Theft Auto games that are set in America and kind of spoof America, and you just walk into ammunition and buy all the guns you want, and go shoot people in. Um, in uh, Sleeping Dogs, it's much more like hand-to-hand combat. Very few people have guns except when you reach like certain points in the story. And, and to that. get guns, you have to disarm other people. I find on missions I play, I never start with a gun. I've got to like, I got to get it. For, I got to yeah. first disarm someone else and take their gun. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I know that. I'm I'm glad you're playing that one. I really enjoyed that one. I thought that was an underrated game. And and it, the narrative has also hooked me somewhat. Like yeah. there are a few missions there. Because in part, I'm not going to spoil anything, but part of the story is that you're undercover cop, right. but you have dividing loyalties in terms of family. So, you know, the triads do make a compelling case for you that, you know, they're about family and they're about strength and that there are, there are morals and values to what they do. And they're not just some mindless bunch of thugs. And um, so, you know, there's certain points in the game where bad shit happens and you're an undercover person. So you know, you get involved in the bad shit. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just shooting all you. <laughs> you killed my brother. Ah! I just yeah, said, no. there's no brother killing in this. It's just, you know, you get that sense of, like, you're emotionally invested in what the bad guys are doing, even though I find I'm reminding myself 
I'm a policeman, you know? Like, it's yeah. really good. It's really well done. I like the balance they achieved. And that's in a trope in movies a lot, but it's r- rarely as fun as in a game form as it is in that game. And also, like I mentioned in... in uh, and I'm not saying that your protagonist is without fault in Sleeping Dogs, but in the Grand Theft Auto games, one of my big problems I've mentioned is that you're often playing douchebags, and he's not a clear-cut douchebag and has some... Rede- you know, he's a cop, so he has some redeeming... Uh, qualities and such, so but definitely they, they, they don't endow him with too many characteristics either. Like it's easier to identify with him because right. he's like his history, his background is shrouded in history, and you know, is you don't really feel like I'm playing a character with a backstory. It's like it's very it's the the blanks are not filled in all that much. So I appreciate that about this game too. So Sleeping Dogs, wow, uh, why did I wait so long? It's super fun. <laughs> no, I don't know, but like, I mean, there's tons of games like that that you haven't played that like the Batman games and all sorts of other games that were where I'm sure that you'd play it and you'd be like, why did I wait so long? And I know I have tons of games like that, too. Like I haven't played Fallout New Vegas. I'm sure if I did, I'd be like, why did I wait so long? Uh, but that's just how it is. Like sometimes you got to be in the right mindset to want to play uh, certain types of games, right? Yeah, I love nothing better than to beat up beat up Hong Kong's worst <laughs> in this game. Anyway, so what have you been up to, dude? Well, here's the thing: is that I I'm in this streak of which you were in with regards to Heroes of the Storm. I know that this streak is going to go for a long time, so I'm not going to beat it to death too much. But I am playing The Witcher uh, Three: Wild Hunt, which I you're going to be playing that till Arkham. Oh, dude, I'm going to be playing it past Arkham. And this is this is the thing. Um, it's interesting. Uh, because when time goes on and you finish a game, you can sort of place it in your mind. You can say like, okay, I like this game more than this game, less than this game. you know. And then in the end, you have your all-time favorites and there'll be games that you think back on fondly and you'll say to yourself, you know – Red Dead Redemption, man, that was one of my all-time favorites. Or, you know, The Last of Us, oh, that was one of my all-time favorites. But the thing is, um, rarely, if ever, when you're playing the game, do you have that thought? Do you have the thought like, hey, this is one of my all-time favorites? Because often it feels premature, whatever. Um, I will go on the record right now and say The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt may be one of my favorite games of all time. And uh, that is really big for me to say uh, when when I am, you know, I haven't put so much time into it compared to some of the other games. Uh, But it is an amazing game. And uh, I, I just I feel like it's hampered in a way by being a sequel. And this is something that I never thought I would see. But The Witcher 1 and The Witcher 2 were essentially I don't want to say cult games, but we're close to being cult games. Like they're both based on the works of this Polish author who him, you know, his, all his books haven't necessarily been translated. He wrote short stories based on these characters. So they're cult characters to begin with cult games that had, you know, somewhat of a, um, a medium following. And then there's this game, which just is absolutely ridiculously huge like the biggest game possibly i've ever played um and and it's it's uh and people are not going to play it potentially because it's the third game in a series and that's just like 
that blows my mind. Like I'm like they're you, they're actually being you, hamstrung by this. Do you feel when you play the game that you're missing out on anything because you don't haven't played the past games? Well, before playing, I watched a couple of YouTube videos, like uh, you know, The Witcher in a nutshell or whatever. Okay. I played both one and two, but I didn't finish either of them, and that play went into me not getting uh, like being having to beat myself into getting this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, like. I watched uh, I watched a couple of videos that sort of explain the lore and past stories of the game, and then you're up to speed fairly quick. It's not like super complicated. Um, and this game, above and beyond the other two, really lets you embody the role of being a witcher, which is like a, essentially a, a monster hunter in this world, uh, uh, this sort of Slavic Eastern European type Nordic type world. And um, it's uh, it I think like. There's so much to say about this, but people keep comparing this game to Skyrim and they keep comparing it to Dragon Age Inquisition. And I think that the more apt comparison is to compare it to a game like Red Dead Redemption um, because you are playing a character. You're not you're not creating your character from scratch. It's not like it, it's role playing in that you are playing the role of Geralt the Witcher and you can play him in different ways. Just like you can play John Marston in different ways, there's a lot of like crafting and inventory management, and like it's there's a lot, a lot of RPG elements in it. But you are playing a you are playing a character who is fully voice acted, has a history, has a backstory, has all that sort of stuff. So to compare it to like a game like Skyrim or a game like Dragon Age, where you're kind of a blank slate, is almost a disservice to what the game the what the game actually is. But unlike a game like Grand Theft Auto, The Witcher, it, the character Geralt of Rivia, is actually kind of like he's a badass. But aside from that, he's like kind of a, a likable character. You don't mind playing playing as him, right? So um, yeah. Anyway, it's totally like there's a shit ton of stuff I could say about this about this game already. It is literally huge. Um, it, it's super dense. Uh, it's um, it, it makes me. It's the first game that I've played this generation of games that makes me think this couldn't have been done in past generations of games, like in the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, like this game could not have existed. There's and, just way uh, too much in the game. Yeah. Graphically, it could not have existed. It provides like graphics, like the last of and us. You're playing on console, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, and this is the thing I would say, like play, play this. If, if you're wor I was worrying about buying a PC to to play the best play it the best way possible because my PC doesn't even meet the minimum system requirements. But I would say like just play this game. Like if you're listening to this, like get it on Xbox One, get it on PS4, get it on your computer. Um, but it is it is totally worth playing. It requires patience at the beginning. It's not necessarily for everyone. Um, and it's weird saying that about a game that is like super amazing and you want everyone to play. I recognize that it's not for everybody, but the people who like it are going to really like it. So, I mean, I'll have more to say on The Witcher and I think I'll do my question mark blog this week on The Witcher. Uh, so if people want to want to hear my thoughts oh, on it more. question mark, uh, pop, you know, yeah, go to our site on exmpodcast.com and check out Crofton's blog, uh, the qu uh, question mark where he, you know, says a lot of really smart stuff about video games that he doesn't have time to talk about here on the show.
I know. I mean, back to your regularly scheduled programming. My regular scheduled pop of the question mark, but uh, yeah, no, I just anyway. The Witcher. Uh, the thing about The Witcher and 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 what I was trying to say earlier um, is that it puts everything that I'm seeing at E3 in perspective, because every single thing I'm seeing, um, I'm impressed. Uh, but not as impressed as The Witcher Three is. Like uh, when 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 I'm playing it, I'm just like uh, blown away at what the CD Projekt Red has accomplished. And so Fallout Four is the game at the Bethesda conference I'm most excited for. It comes out later this year. I, you know what? When it comes out, I think that it will already be surpassed by The Witcher Three. And I I think that um, you know. It, CD Projekt has a smaller team than Bethesda, but they've pu- poured themselves into this game, yeah. and I mean, it is pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm gonna have to play that one. I think I, I, I'm gonna have to make myself play it. I can you buy it quit, easily. You, you will quit it before you get to the money period. Like, I don't think you it'll, really because the thing I, I will say is that you start playing, and they make you um because the game is literally overwhelmingly huge. Uh, before they throw you into sort of the big sense of the open world, you have to play through kind of a there's an there's an opening area like a village and its surroundings Maybe where the new island basically to, yeah essentially a new island or whatever yeah. where there's its own set story and all this and until you get out of there the world doesn't really like hit its stride and open up but it's necessary so that you don't just die of shock when you get thrown into this giant world and. Uh, so I, I don't criticize what they've done. I, it just means that it, it takes people with a tremendous amount of patience to get through that first part. Uh, and that's why I say it's not for everyone because I think that people who need their instant dopamine fix, no finger pointing, Bo, uh, may, <laughs> may, uh, may not make it far enough to get to the money uh, in this game. But uh, it's crazy. Anyway, I'll, I, I could talk about The Witcher all day. I just wanted uh, people to know um, – to know about it. And, uh, I think that, uh, due to E3 this, this week, uh, we're going to, we're going to skip the dialogue tree. Uh, if that's okay with you, Bo. Yeah, Uh, I think, I think that makes sense. We're running on pretty long and we try to keep the show to an hour. So as not to, you know, completely overwhelm your life with uh, Bo and Croft and goodness, even though I think our fans would love it if we did a six hour show. Oh God! <laughs> but, We're trying uh, to get new fans, Bo. Which new fans. Y- you know, I think that Crofton and I really could talk for six hours about video games. Um, I believe it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I think we're gonna go ahead and and give that one a pass. Uh, but you know, <laughs> basically, we're gonna keep uh, talking about video games because we do have one other little section that we call inventory management. Oh, that's right. Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. Uh, so I, I, I was laughing because inventory management is where we make recommendations on whether or not you should spend your cash in vendor trash the Witcher or three. vendor trash. The Witcher yeah. 3. And I'm going to say sleeping dog. Like we just finished talking about it for like 30 minutes. Like, oh, are you? You haven't finished sleeping dogs yet. It's recommend worthy. Um, you should you should try play the game. First of all, it's dirt cheap. It'll, it goes on sale all the time. The d- yeah. definitive, you know, it's old. You can pick it up for a good price. 
yeah, get Sleeping Dogs, and it's even worth it if you just do the story missions or just try it out. Honestly, if you're not super into open world games like me, you're still going to get a lot of fun out of this. I think a lot of love and TLC went into making this game. It's good. So, Yeah, and, I, and I agree with Bo's rec. It's good. Yeah. So I recommend Sleeping Dogs Crofton. He recommends The Witcher 3 because I recommend the Witcher 3. he just gushed about it for like 10 minutes straight. But see, uh, I hate, hate, hate making recommends when I haven't finished the game because it could fall off a cliff from this point onwards, but I know that it won't. I'm very confident in the quality of the I game. Don't know. I think sometimes you get, if you've already gotten value out of your experience, even if the ending sucks, um, it's probably still recommend worthy. I think the only thing game I can think of where that might have been an issue was Mass Effect 3. Where it's like Mass Effect Three, amazing game. You know what? The end, a lot of people were unhappy with the original yeah. ending and shit all over it. You know, unjustly in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, but I think it was somewhat unjustly. The uh, one thing I'll say about about games, though, and this makes me sad in a way, it, it, it is um, like on the on the PS4, there's trophies, uh, achievements, or whatever. And um, there's, as you know, every game has sort of achievements for story progression. So, like, at one point, you'll finish the game, you'll get a certain achievement, or you might be near the, you know, you enter the last act, you'll get an achievement or whatever. Um, well, the PS4 tells you what percentage of people has got, have gotten which achievements in the game. When you get an achievement, you can see how often do people get that achievement, right? Um, and... and uh, Playing Watch Dogs, I noticed this for the first time because when I finished the game, it gave you a sense of how many people had actually finished the game, right? Um, you know, if if 23% of, of Watch Dog owners got the end game achievement, then you know that only that many actually finished the game. So uh, The Witcher is, is one of those games because it's so huge and so long that I'm paying attention very closely to those marker trophies to see how many people are dropping off. Um, and and at the end, I feel like when I finish, if I finish this game because it's so huge, that it'll be like 2% of people finish uh, the game. It's so ridiculous. Like even that intro segment, Getting Off Noob Island, there was like – it said like – it said like – I think something like 70% of people got that trophy, hmm. meaning that of 100% of the people who bought that game, 30% of it 30%. never even got off Noob Island. <laughs> it, and that, Is that's, it that hard on Noob Island? No, it's not. It's just that it's like it's probably people loaded with cash who are like, oh, I saw the ad on TV. Let me play this. Oh, let me start. Oh, I'm bored. Let's go play Heroes of the Storm. Boom, 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 boom. You know, like. Uh, that was a slam on Heroes of the Storm Bowl. Uh, I'm not paying uh, attention to your slams. But uh, yeah, so in the end, uh, in the end, I think that's what it is. I think it's just people that aren't able to, uh, you know, that don't get invested in it or don't. Maybe there's places that rent games still, and somebody rents it overnight and can can't pass New Island. But uh, anyway. Uh, I, I'm just uh, – it's, it's amazing to me how much work goes into these games and when you think about the 100% of people who play, how few people will actually experience the end game content. Yeah, you know, that that's a really interesting thing. It, it made me – I'm kind of like looking up the Skyrim achievements right now because I'm like, how many people have even finished Skyrim? I haven't. Like, but what percent – like – I put over a hundred hours in Skyrim and I never finished. I'm trying to find out what the winning achievement is for that game. Is it defeat a legendary dragon? No, I don't think so. I don't know. But anyways, like, 
I feel like a lot of people didn't finish Skyrim either. And the Skyrim campaign is short, remember. Bethesda had that race where it like it took them two hours to finish the game or something like that. Like they had two teams race to finish the game as quickly as possible. I believe it. And you know, it's the easy it's actually one of the easiest games in the world to finish. If so, you actually stay on the beaten path. Right, but the point of a game like that is to go explore and have some fun. So That's the same with the Witcher. But, all right, let's. Uh, all right, we should... so we made our recommendations: The Witcher and Sleeping Dogs. Uh, there you go. They were the games we're playing. They're the games we're loving. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's uh, let's just do a little cleanup here as we head to uh, the highlight of our show, the Master Game Theater. Uh, um, Master Game Theater. With uh, so first off, exmpodcast.com. That's our website. You can find all our latest episodes there: Bo's snazzy write-ups and the question mark blog. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at EXM Podcast. Uh, Facebook.com slash EXM Podcast would get, we would love it if you liked us there. That would make us so happy. Uh, EXM Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to write in your questions, your thoughts on E3, what you're playing, what you recommend, we'd love all that stuff. Uh, twitch.tv slash exm podcast we live stream the recording of the show we tend to tweet our uh, live streaming times this week it's a bit different but generally it's monday um and uh, we also have a sister show good bad bullshit uh good bad or bullshit with our, our good friend mike hodgins you can uh learn more about that at goodbadbull.com uh and if you like this you'll probably like that Bo. If people want to hear from you personally, they want to get more Bo Schwartz in their life, how can they do that? Uh, you can find me at Bo Schwartz on Twitter.com. There, anything relevant that I have to say to the world is usually where it's posted. So That's a that's a clever, uh, that's your name. I see what you did there. Yeah, it's just my name. You know what? I, I'm great minds think alike because you can follow me at Croft and Steers on Twitter. Oh. And just to close out the show, we are going to go into a final segment known as the Master Game Theater Quote of the Week. It's now time for Master Game Theater. My accent is so bad. (laughs) Was that you? I didn't even know. It's me. That's my voice. Um, Some of my enunciation, I'm like, ah, it's off. But whatever. I'm bad at all accents. It's not like I could have done any better than that. All right. So today in the Master Game Theater, uh, we have uh, an interesting presentation for you from a classic game that Crofton is always touting all the time, Red Dead Redemption. So if you've played Red Dead Redemption, you know there's this character in it, your character, named John Marston. And uh, today, Crofton is going to perform some John Marston for the pleasure of everyone. Whenever you're ready, you may perform the scene, Crofton. I get all the gruff characters. I'll use my Joel from The Last of Us voice. I feel like you can't yell in your house because you have a baby who's often sleeping. So we save the yelly ones for me. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. I'll give you a bad case of someone just shot me in the head if you don't hurry up. (laughs) 